Hello and welcome to another Emith Your Business podcast. I'm Karen Iwata, Master Coach, Seminar Leader, and your podcast host. Today we're continuing our discussion with one of our most popular guests, Cameron Medill, an Emith Mastery coaching client and owner of the Oregon-based web design agency, Cinetac. Cameron founded Cinetac in 2003 and has grown it from a two-person shop to a 10-person agency covering a full range of web services. He has an absolute wealth of information about online marketing, and we're really thrilled to have him back with us today. Before we dive into today's topic, let me just remind you that our previous podcast discussions with Cameron are available on our blog, www.e-myth.com forward slash blog. And if you haven't had the opportunity to listen to those, you really should check them out. Cameron, welcome back. So happy to have you with us again today. Karen, thanks for having me. I'd like to talk about email marketing. We hear a lot about it. We all receive a ton of it. <laughs> and we know that we should do it for our businesses. But what I'd like to hear from you is how do you define it? And, and, and what can we do with it to make it a more effective part of our overall strategy for marketing? Sure. So uh, to me, email marketing is not just the actual sending of regular emails, or perhaps irregular emails to our, our prospects and our database, but it's the, it's the complete process from someone, a permission-based marketing of, of someone opting into your email list someone receiving an email, opening it, clicking through to it, and then landing typically on your website to complete whatever action it is you want to do. So I think often people make the mistake of just looking at email marketing as the sending of emails and without broadening it to include both how you get the email address in the first case and what the expectations were that were set and then what the actual conversion is that you're trying to get them to do. It could be reading an article. It could be downloading a white paper. It could be registering for a webinar. It could be purchasing a product. Without looking at it in that holistic sense, uh, I think you really kind of missed the boat on what email marketing is. So I understand you've got some new data about what's working and what's not working in email marketing. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. And um, the, the data is tragically not, not mine. I wish I had come up with it. It's a, it's a great study from uh, <laughs> MailChimp, which is an email marketing program of 9.5 billion emails. So it's mm. a massive data set on what's working right now. Um, this just came out, I think, a month ago or something like that. And if anyone wants to get I've got a, a more detailed breakdown of this. If anyone wants that, you can go to synatac.com slash email dash data. So that's S-Y-N-O-T-A-C dot com slash E-M-A-I-L dash D-A-T-A. Great. So a lot of really interesting information came out of this. And I, before we, we get into the specific data, I do want to caution people that the nature of marketing is that as we find something that works, more people will flock to it and it may become less effective. So recent data is a great thing to stimulate your brain to find new things to test in your own marketing efforts. So take all of these ideas with the caveat that this is a great place to, to start and there's going to be some counterintuitive ideas that I'm going to tell people about, but that you want to actually measure them and test them for your business because what works in an overall sense may not work for your specific client base. Okay. So, all right, so without further ado, uh, one of the first things, there's a combination, it's, it's mostly quantitative data, but there's some qualitative data that came from a survey. So the first one, which I thought was really interesting, was they surveyed people and they said, do you use a separate work and a separate personal email account? 
And the response was kind of shocking to me. Uh, the answer was 88% of people said that they do not have a separate work and personal email account. Um, it's it's an interesting notion, I think, for, for you know, among other things, the fact that uh, your company email is company property. So if you leave that job for whatever reason, you don't own it. So it's, it's not the best idea that people are doing this um, for other reasons, but it fundamentally shows that people are really blurring their work and their personal lives together. And I think one of the key points here is that if you're in a business-to-business space, there's long been this notion that business-to-consumer marketing and business-to-business marketing are really different. And I think what this shows is that, at least with regards to email marketing, that division is really becoming blurred and is not becoming very strong because people are going to be checking their work emails at night and they're going to be checking their work emails on the weekend. That notion that you can only send or engage with someone between 9 and 5 is no longer true. Um, the next set of data that, that was really interesting was looking at, um, and this is something people always ask with email, and people always want to know, what's the best day of the week to send email? So there were two stats that, that MailChimp looked at, and the first one was click-through rate, and that basically means what percentage of the people who get your email actually click through on any of the links in the email to go to your website. And the, the key notion here is that, that email is an intermediary, so typically nothing that really matters to your business is going to happen until they get to your website. They're not going to be able to purchase a product or register for a webinar or read an article uh, or download a resource or whatever your objective is. So the data was pretty fascinating and, and not at all what I expected. The average click-through rate was around 5% for weekdays, uh, pretty consistent for all five weekdays. And then it was just shy of 10% for weekends. Wow. Yeah, ex- exactly the opposite of what I and a lot of people thought. So let, let me see if I understand this. So so what you're saying is that, uh, you know, there was a period of time, I, I recall, it wasn't so long ago, where, you know, the belief was, well, you never send, you know, a marketing email on a Monday because people are just coming back from the weekend, they're busy and so forth, so you want to send it on a Tuesday or Wednesday, don't get too close to the weekend on Friday. But what you're saying now is that Monday through Friday, about the same click-through response, about 5%, but where people are really taking the time, perhaps, to read through these emails that they're getting is on the weekend? Correct. And and I think part of it is that blurring of our work wow. and our personal lives so that the the competition, relatively speaking, on the weekend, i.e. the number of other emails coming in is so much lower versus the deluge of emails that we're getting throughout the week. So so send them on the weekends. Well, it, it's... Again, this is a caveat. It's a great thing to test. Okay. Um, some people are right. getting really great results. Again, if everyone starts sending on the weekends, then the, the technique will stop working. But it's it's something that, that has wow. not in the past been shown to be effective, and now it does. The other piece of data they looked at was the effect of the day of the week on your unsubscribe rate, which is also a very important thing because as people are unsubscribing, you're, you are losing permission to market to them. And what they saw actually does fit with what you were saying, Karen, that the unsubscribe rates are the highest on Mondays and Tuesdays. And the core notion there is basically that people are just getting back into the office. They're inundated with email and tasks. And your email is just one more thing. And so they're more likely to look at it, get grumpy, and say, stop sending to me, sending mm-hmm. these to me, period. So mm-hmm. the, the, the high-level recommendation is test sending your emails on the weekend. And if you're going to send during the week, target Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. Okay. Can we go back to, to your first point for just a moment, which uh-huh. was this this idea of separate personal emails and company emails. So so what is the recommendation there, that we should have personal emails and c- 
company emails and when it comes to marketing, this second question, I guess, um, are, are you saying that if you can capture both, then you would send marketing emails to both? Gotcha. Uh, well, so, so my personal recommendation, this is sort of leaving the web marketing space, is that um, everyone should have a separate work and personal email because if you leave the company for whatever reason, your work email okay. is the property of the company. Right. And not only that, if you have personal emails in your work email, they could be used against you in an unemployment claim. So, um, okay, well, a, that's a, a okay. Prudent, a good reason. <laughs> yeah, so, so from a prudent standpoint, I was kind of shocked because, and I actually tell everyone in my company that they must have a separate personal email. Um, I don't want to be dealing with that if you had some sort of unemployment issue come up or whatever. Um, and, and I know people have, in fact, lost unemployment claims because they had uh, personal emails that indicated they were not doing a professional job in their work email. The second piece as to how that relates to marketing, though, is it's mostly this notion of work and personal lives blurring. So if I'm checking, if I don't have a separate personal email account, then I'm checking my joint work slash email account throughout the weekend and in the evenings. And it means that those are now viable times to market in a business-to-business context because people are still checking them. So that's, that's really the point making, you know, that okay. I'm making there with that data. Got it. Okay. All right. So what is, what's the, uh, the third uh, piece of new data that you've uncovered? Sure. So the next one was uh, on the best time of day to send. Um, and this is something people are always testing. The effect of the time of day on click-through rate, what the data shows is that it's far and away the highest around 6 and 7 a.m., and then it steadily drops off throughout the day until about 4 p.m., and then it rises slightly. So two key points to consider here. So one is test sending your email early in the morning. This is the notion that I'll come back to this, but that email is a habit. Um, email is it's, it's a ritual that we get into. And so people come into the office and they sit down, and typically the first thing they do is they clear all their email. So you're most likely to get their attention in the morning when there, are other, there aren't other eruptions, interruptions like phone calls and so on, and they're sitting down and methodically going through their email. Then throughout the day, it's more of an interruption-type activity, so they're trying to get other tasks completed, so they're less likely to read your email. The second thing to consider testing, and again, this is with all this stuff, it's really easy to test with email. I'll talk about some tools for that is not just sending at 6 or 7 a.m., but I've seen a number of companies that have had success with sending emails around midnight. And it's, it's kind of a crazy time to do it, but as someone who uh, is unfortunately sometimes still up at midnight and checking my email, right. it, it relates to this concept of sending on the weekend. There's no competition. There's no other emails coming in at midnight. And so if you have someone who's awake, you pretty much have their undivided attention, and they're probably, on, you know, to some extent, bored and looking for an interruption. So... That can be a great thing to test because it also positions you to have that email sitting in someone's box in the morning. Now, I, so I have another question here. So with regard to the time of day, 6 to 7 a.m., um, I, I have a you know, personal email account, and I've got my eMyth you know, account, email account, and then I've got another one as well. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I do, since I can access all of this from home, is first thing in the morning, so literally 5.30, 6 o'clock, make the coffee, and I go down, sit at my computer, and I check all of my emails for the day. Um, so if we combine this this third piece of data, that one of the best times to send is early in the morning, with this idea that people are checking their, you know, if they have the same email address for work and for home, um, 
do you think that most people actually do check their emails before they actually, you know, they leave their home and get to their office? Are they doing what I'm doing? <laughs> kind of yeah, compulsively? I, 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 I think that's a great question. And honestly, I don't know. Um, I do, you know, I, I certainly know from the behavior of, of our clients and I guess associates of mine, contacts through other um, educational groups I do and so on. I do see a lot of people doing that. I think the more, I think the higher up uh, professionals are, the more likely they are to, to want to wake up in the morning and just clear all that email out so they can go to the office and be uh, prepared to start doing work. Um, I think the important thing to remember, though, is that a lot of people, the thing about sending at 5 a.m. or 6 a.m. or 7 a.m. is it positions you to be read when someone does their email clear uh, in the morning, whether that's at 6 a.m. like you or maybe it's 10 a.m. Yeah. Right. But the point is it's sitting there in their inbox. Right. Um, for, and, and so you hit that ritual of I'm going to sit down and clear and read all my email. Okay. All right. Excellent. Do we have another uh, piece of data that you wanted to share with us? I do. So um, the next one is something I think that people are aware of, but they're still it's not fully incorporated into their approach. So it's the, on the increasing importance of mobile. So this was another qualitative um, survey question. And the, response, the question was, how many people are reading email on mobile devices right now, their work email? And the response was, over 81% of people are now reading their work email on a mobile wow. device. So this is really important, I think, on two levels related to email marketing. One, on the design of your emails. You can't count on people using a big uh, reading pane. Um, just a quick tip, the general best practice is you want to be about 600 pixels or less on the width of your email. Um, uh, wait, you want wait, to be wait. Sorry, I have to have you repeat that. 600 pixels or less on the width. Correct. The so it, it okay. can be longer, but you don't want it to be wider than 600. Got and that it. will generally okay. fit with that will generally fit with most smartphones. Um, and then often with various email programs, there'll be uh, reader panes that default to about 600 pixels. So it's a great width. If anyone else out there is curious, the, the width for your website you want to have is 1,000 pixels. Um, so as, as mobile becomes more important, many more people are reading marketing emails on their mobile devices as well. So looking at things like font size and width become much more important. And what I wanted to recommend to folks is if you haven't uh, ever tested or looked at your emails in mobile devices, iPhones, Blackberries, whatever, uh, Android phones, there's a great service. This is what we use. It's called litmus.com, L-I-T-M-U-S.com. Uh, it's something like, I think, $50 a month. Although if anyone is really desperate, they could just send me an email. I'd probably just run a test for them. Um, <laughs> and what you can do is you can test um, an email. You can also test web pages, but you can test an email in a number of different devices. So it, I think it takes wow. something like 15 minutes, but with a click of a button, you can get back a screen capture of how your email looks in, say, Outlook 2007, Outlook 2003, um, an iPhone 4, wow. uh, Gmail. You sort of go right on down the list. Um, mm -hmm. And it's a great tool just to verify that your emails, and there's such a, a range of, of platforms that people are looking at email, it's actually far worse than websites. It's a great way just to make sure that it's coded properly and there's not big gotchas. Like if I look at it on an iPhone, I'm missing, say, all this content on the right that had the key call to action to register for the seminar that makes me all my money. So again, that, that's litmus.com, great tool for that. Wow, all right. And then do we have one more? Yeah, um, <laughs> I do, actually. So a couple more. Um, this is um, kind of a, an interesting point related to something we talked about in a previous podcast, but that as far as how frequently you send your content, and um, 
the questions looked at as far as how often people send emails, how um, likely people were to both click through from the email to the website, how likely they were to unsubscribe. And what they found was interesting was that click-through rates um, hold steady um, depending upon the frequency of how often you send it, and that unsubscribe rates are actually the highest when you send email infrequently. So the key component here is don't be afraid to send email more often if you have high-quality content because you will get built into that ritual that I'm talking about of reading and, and engaging with your email. Um, and that often I think as marketers people feel like they're going to be a bother, but if you have quality content, then people um, are going to be happy and you'll get built into their ritual and you won't be bothering them. And it's, it's actually when it comes out of the blue that you're more likely to get an right. unsubscribe. So. And, and that's probably, I mean, I'm going to guess that that's because when you have infrequent emails, and so I, I suppose we need to define what that is, but you're not allowing um, a relationship to be built via that medium, correct? Yeah, absolutely. And so, and so, you talked uh, in a previous con uh, podcast about the idea of um, having sort of a twelve-month plan, making sure that you're you're doing some kind of email marketing um, once a month or so. When it comes to you know this discussion, is once a month enough? I mean, what is too infrequent, or do you just have to test to find out and see you know when those unsubscribe rates start climbing? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think you actually said it quite well that, that just watching the unsubscribe rates is the most important thing. Um, fundamentally, what we see is the, the biggest stumbling block is just having the content or having the, uh, the system set up to generate that content on an ongoing basis. But if you have valuable content um, and, and a clear focus on, on who you're looking at, we'll talk briefly about the, the overall process that you go through with email marketing. But if someone has signed up and they're excited about it and believe in the value you offer, um, I certainly think once a week is no problem. And, and there are people who, um, Seth Godin's a good example, if he sends emails every single day. Oh, is that right? Huh. Yep. But, he, but his style is he's got these short, you know, pithy little bits of wisdom that are, are you know, they're really intriguing. And he gets built into your, again, he gets built into your ritual um, and people don't mind it at all. Okay. All right. So, so keep it frequent, but you want to make sure that you are uh, watching those unsubscribe rates as you begin to test what is too frequent, what's not frequent enough, and so forth. So you just you really have to hone it to your particular audience. Mm -hmm. Okay. Correct. All right. And can we get one more um, uh, piece of data, and then um, want to just let everybody know that we're going to be doing another podcast with Cameron where um, we'll get into what to do and how to get started with um, an effective email marketing campaign. But let's get one more piece of data for you while we in the, in the time that we have left. Okay, sure. So uh, I'd say probably the, the last bit of data that's really good for people to know, and this was a real basic uh, correlation, was the effect on the number of links in an email on both the unsubscribe rate and the click-through rate. So how many how many opportunities do I have in your email? Not, not really related to the link, but how many different links are that I could click on um, in the email? And what they found was that the more links you have, the lower the unsubscribe rate, and the more links that you have, the higher the click-through rate. So the point here is not necessarily, this, this is very similar to websites, you don't want to jam your, your email full of endless content, um, you know, a thousand links to a thousand different things. 
but you want to give people as many options to engage with you and click through your website as possible. So if you have a core offering in your email, if that's reading an article, again, signing up for a seminar, purchasing a product, um, using a discount code, whatever it might be, give them as many links as possible to click on and you'll get a higher percentage of people who actually click through your website and engage with you. Now, is that does that include, and I've seen this in, in emails a lot recently, where, where they give you many opportunities to click through, but no matter which link you're clicking on, you're taken to the same page. Yep, absolutely. Okay. So, and, and, and this generally applies to websites as well. Um, and, and part of this goes to looking at how different people um, process information and how they take action. So there, there's a style of people that are very spontaneous, and so they'll click on the first link. Um, so for those people, you want to make sure there's links high up the email, um, high up the page. And then there are people who um, are much more methodical, and so they're going to read the whole email, and they're going to want to have more understanding before they take action. So they'll want to know more specifics about, say, um, when your seminar is, um, what time of day it takes place, who's going to be presenting. And so by giving people multiple links and multiple kinds of links to click through, you're going to get, uh, you're going to engage more people and get a higher uh, click-through rate. Okay. All right. Gosh, Cameron, I just want to thank you again for um, spending the time with us today to share with us some of the new data with regard to uh, email marketing. Uh, and again, I want our listeners to uh, join us for our next podcast in which we will be talking about how to get started with email marketing. And you know, certainly we've got uh, an expert who is available to you to, uh, to share that information. So once again, thank you so much. You are just a great example of why we love our clients and so glad that you made the time to be with us today. Thanks for having me. Want to make sure that you can also get in touch with Cameron. Uh, you can contact him at his company, Cinetac Web Design. That's S-Y-N-O-T-A-C Web Design. He is found online at www.cinetac.com. Or you can call him at 503-517-2116. Thank you for listening to this Emith Your Business podcast. If you're a small business owner looking for a better way of doing business, I invite you to visit us online at www.e-myth.com. I'm Karen Iwata, and on behalf of myself and all of us at Emith Worldwide, we wish you great success in all your entrepreneurial ventures.